Good morning, church. Good to see everyone this morning. We're going to be working in Second uh, Peter chapter 3. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles over there, uh, we are going to start this morning with a scripture reading by Kennedy Smith, who is seven years old, and she's going to come up and do our scriptures. There's this beautiful young lady right here. Are you ready? All right. Excellent. Uh, okay, you did a great job. Well, I can't follow that. I mean, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, everything's downhill from there. But hang in there with me. Uh, I was uh, had to be gone uh, last week, but Al, I want you to know that I got your sermon notes and uh, not your original notes. I got the ones that was passed down through the children's ministry. They took notes, and so I got a few of those. And uh, the first... Uh, one that you might notice. Let's see. I think we got them on the slide, guys. All right. Here's the first two. Uh, Rose Turner, uh, she drew a picture. And it, you see that the, uh, uh, the Al talked about a dog returns to its vomit. So you've got the dog vomiting, then the dog returning. But somehow or another, he says, Yum. I want to look at your original notes and see if you had yum in there, Al. And let's see. Uh, the next one is... Oh, let's see. Was there another one up there before? Back that other one up. Yeah, because there's Maples. Yeah, I wanted to see hers. Now, she had really uh, uh, a real good deal. She said, be ready, be faithful, and love Jesus. Now, that right there will preach any time. All right. Now, let's go to that next slide. Okay. Harrison. Harrison said, the Passover juice is the blood. You got that. The work of the Holy Spirit. You got that. Many people die a horrible death. We got that, and I hate to tell you, we're going to get that again today. And angels are powerful. <laughs> I like that. And then, let's see, we got one more. Cason. Let's see. Yeah, Cason. Uh, the Cason, I love this picture because you see on the far left, there's a guy, a false prophet, saying, Jesus is not Lord to all these people. And then you got the other guy over there saying, false teacher. Al, you got you. Al, you did a great job. You got you got you got the message across, brother. Uh, so the last two uh, 
Uh, by the way, you can thank our children's ministry, by the way, for keeping us hooked in with these. Yeah. What a great, what a great blessing. I am a little worried about what they might write today, but, uh, you know, they, they, they make preachers a little bit nervous, uh, when you're putting everything up like that. So, but the last chapter in chapter two of second Peter, it does end with, uh, uh, dogs and, and, and pigs, and it's not a good picture. Uh, but then in chapter three, uh, uh, we're going to, uh, find some things that sound tough, but at the same time, some very good things that are going to lift us up. I've entitled this, Be Ready for the Last Day. How are we going to be ready for the last day? Uh, Peter wants to be sure that his uh, the church that he's writing to, and us, because it's left for us, he wants to be sure that our mind is in the right place. And that our life is on the right course. And so in today's culture, we have great and frequent thoughts about ourselves. Small and infrequent thoughts about the greatness of God. And we have to get that turned around, especially in the church. I got news for you and me. It ain't all about you. Everything isn't about my success or my failure. Everything isn't about what I'm accomplishing here on this earth. Everything isn't about my orchestration of things. It's about the greatness of God and us submitting to that and acknowledging that in a humble way, on our knees, saying, God, you're in control. What do you want out of my life? So, Peter's going to uh, tell these folks in, in a unique way that he really wants them to know he loves them. So the very first thing he does in, in, verse, uh, in verse 1, verse 1 through 7, he's going to say, Beloved, be mindful of the Word of God. Beloved. Everybody say that with me. Beloved. One more time. Beloved. This comes from that, the root of that Greek word uh, agape, that kind of deep love. And so when Peter writes these people, he wants them to know, because he's going to use this like three different times in this one chapter to make sure that when he's saying what he has to say, he wants them to know that they are dear and loved by one another and by God. So he starts out this way. Dear friends, and in the NIV it says, most versions say, beloved. This is now my second letter to you, he writes. I have written both of them as reminders to do something. Look what he says. To stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by the Lord and Savior through our apostles. So he says uh, in verses 1 through 7, he's going to keep reminding them about the Word of God. First, he said, you heard it from the Old Testament. You heard it from the Old Prophets. You got it from Jesus, and now you got it from the apostles. This is the word, and I want you to, re- I want you to remember what they told you. Then he says this in verse 3. First of all, you must understand something. That in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, 
Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So in other words, they're sitting around this day that's coming. They're like, well, they don't believe it. Matter of fact, everything's been the same day in and day out ever since the time the earth was created. Ever since our forefathers died, nothing's really changed. Now look what they do, though. But they deliberately, look in the verse 5, they deliberately forget. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By the way, uh, uh, he's reminding them that, that they, uh, about creation, the word of God made this world. But they, these scoffers that are coming in saying, well, Jesus ain't really going to ever come anyway. They deliberately forget creation. And I find that when men have come to a point in their thinking that they deliberately forget that God made the world, they end up deliberately forgetting a whole lot of other things. Because all of a sudden, he, God, God didn't really make the world. It blew up in one big bang somewhere. God didn't really create this thing. They forget that, and when they forget that, they forget a whole lot of other things. Did they forget God's Word did that? And by these waters, by the way, he says in the next verse, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. He said not only did they forget God made the earth, they also forget God brought judgment on the earth through the days of Noah by the flood. They forget God does bring a day of judgment. And by that same Word, verse 7, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So these scoffers deliberately forget the power of the Word of God. In creation, they forget it in judgment by the flood, and they forget about the destruction to come. The Word of God will stand true from creation time to judgment day. You can pretend that you don't acknowledge God, uh, God and create, can pretend He didn't make everything. But the Bible says, even in Romans 1, that even the creation cries out, God is who He claims to be, and man is responsible to Him. Well, then look at the next few verses, verse 8 through 10. Now, he says again, beloved or dear friends, and it's out of that, again, that agape word. Not only are you mindful of the word of God and its creative powers and, and judgment will come, it has before. But now he says, beloved, remember the patience of God. Look at verse 8. Do not forget this one thing. He told them earlier, understand this about the scoffers, and then don't forget this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a, and a thousand years are like a day. Basically, here's what that says. God doesn't work on your clock. How many times have we been thinking and expecting God to work on our timing? And when he doesn't, we get all upset about it. 
God doesn't work on your clock. God is outside of time. Time's just for us. It's not for God. He is I am. So a day's like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. Then he says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He says, look, when, when you think, well, hey, these guys were saying, look, it's always been the same. And this day of judgment, it ain't coming anytime. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's just a bunch of junk. It's not really going to ever change. And, I mean, look how long we've been going. And what Peter tells them, he said, look, God doesn't work on your time. God works on his. And God is patient. And he's patient for a reason. He's patient so that more people will be saved. I remember one time I sat uh, in, a, in a small group of people because, you know, I just got fed up with the world and the sin and the news and all this kind of junk happening in life. And, and I said, you know, you ever get that way? Lord, Jesus, just come quickly, right? Just come quickly. And I said that. And then a lady reminded me, Mike, could you, could you tell him to wait a little bit till my kids get in? Hmm. You know what? The Lord, he, He's not slow. He's not late. And the only reason He hasn't come yet is because He's waiting on somebody right here in this room to come to Jesus. He could come anytime, any minute, before I finish the next sentence. He could come. But he waits patiently because he desires people to be saved. And God has that kind of heart, and that's the kind of heart we have to have. And that's the kind of patience we have to have as we work with folks and want and desire them to be saved more than anything in this world. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone, and I look at this phrase right here, to come to repentance. It's the only place in the book here, First uh, Second Peter, that he uses this word repentance. And that's that change of heart from the inside out that results in a change of action. And this word come is an interesting word. It's a word that comes from the idea of making room for something. So basically, Peter is saying... Make room for repentance in one's heart by putting away pride and humbly receiving the Word of God. Every time I'm not punished immediately by God, He has given me time to repent. Think about the last time you blew it and you begged God for mercy and grace. And aren't you grateful? That he didn't choose the moment before that request to come. Instead, he made room for your heart to be moved by his story to change your life. God's patient because he desires souls to be saved. But now, don't misunderstand that patience. As the idea that the day won't come. 
Because he says in the next verse, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This destruction's happening. Righteousness is going to rule. There's going to be condemnation of sinful and unholy men. And this whole earth is going to change. Don't think in God's patience the day's not coming. It's coming. But God's timing is better than ours. Rest assured, the day's coming. His judgment is just as sure of a thing as His grace and His love. And do not think that because we experience God's grace and love that the day of judgment will not come. It will come. So, beloved, be mindful of the Word of God. Beloved, remember the patience of God. And then he says this, third of all. Beloved, make every effort to practice the holiness of God. Look at your next verse in 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you, look here, look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. What do you mean? I'm looking forward to the day this whole thing is destroyed? You bet I am. Why? Because no more battling sin. I am sick and tired of not battling it in my own heart and mind, and I'm sick and tired of battling it with other people. And I look forward to the day where there's so, where that victory comes because that day comes that sin and anything it affected is totally done away, including the earth, and it's all destroyed and there's a new heaven and a new earth and we can get on with real life with Jesus. That's right, brother. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward, twice now he said it, to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, beloved, says it again. Since you're looking forward, third time, to this, make every effort. To be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. And let me just go ahead and throw it in right now. If you're not at peace with Him, today is the day. And then He tells them and us, bear in mind. Remember, He started by writing, I want to stimulate your mind to wholesome talk or to wholesome thinking. And now He turns around and says, bear in mind. That our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Paul wrote a lot about that to these folks. Now, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking of them in these matters. His letters contain contain some things that are hard to understand, which I agree with that. (laughs) And you look up some of Paul's stuff. He says, but which ignorant and unstable people distort... As they do the scriptures to their own destruction. Said, look, you bear in mind, you put it in your mind that the patience of Jesus is salvation for folks. 
And when you run across things that you can't understand, some men take those and twist the Scriptures and turn them for their own evil desires. And don't you follow them because their life is headed to destruction. Then he says in the last couple of verses of the letter. Therefore, beloved, there it is again. Therefore, beloved, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. He doesn't want them to fall. He doesn't want to be carried away by these kinds of men. So he says, one, be on your guard. The next thing he says is you grow. So you guard and you grow. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what you grow in. You grow in grace and you grow in knowledge. You grow in understanding that I don't deserve something, but God has granted something to me. And you grow in learning more and more about God and the greatness that He has and is for us. You grow in these things. So what do we do as we wait for that great day coming? We're going to live holy as we ought to. We're going to look forward to it. And we're going to keep growing in grace. And we're going to keep growing in knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Savior. We're going to keep on doing that. We're not going to give up no matter what happens. I don't care what this church faces. We will not give up. We will follow Jesus to the very end. And we will... Help as many other people as we can follow Jesus to the very end. I don't care how broken you are in life. I don't care how broken I become in life. This is the healing place for broken hearts. And we will wrap our arms around each other. And we will grow in grace. And we will grow in knowledge with anything we face. And you know as we grow in grace and knowledge... And God delivers us because, look, if we took the time right here, I'm looking at people I've known for a long time. I could point out and tell you their story of deliverance. And they could stand up right where they are and give a testimony of how God rescued them from darkness and delivered them into the light. All the great things that God accomplishes. The last part of this book Peter's so on target. Because he says, as you grow in grace and knowledge, to him, by listening, to him be glory both now and forevermore. So Friday night I was up here with our See our family. And we celebrated with a great worship, by the way, which is awesome. And our sister, Lexi, gave her testimony. And as great as that deliverance and rescue is and was and continues to be, man, she did my heart good. I just needed to hear a great victory story. And God fed my heart exactly what I needed. But you know what was great about that? Is at the end, you know who she gave glory to? She gave glory to God. God made that happen. 
He used a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. But when it all comes down to it, God gets the glory. May this church in all of its activities, whether great successes far away in mission works or, or great successes in stories in this room, may this church always give God the glory. We don't look for fame. We don't look for being known. We don't look to send ourselves up to say we're something great and good because we're just a house full of broken people that found Jesus. God. God gets the glory. Amen. Don't you walk out of this room not knowing that you're ready or not for that great day that's coming. If you can't look forward to it, then you need to be on your knees looking toward God. I don't want anybody to walk out of either one of our assemblies or even the live stream. Don't you push a button and cut off and get out without pleading to God who's making room for repentance to take place in your heart. Victory is right around the corner. Peace is within reach. Hope lies right here, ready to capture your heart through the one they call Jesus. Father in heaven, we love you. We acknowledge the greatness of you in creation. We acknowledge even through the scriptures, Father, that you do judge the ungodly, and you've already done it with a flood, and we know you'll do it again with a fire. And how can we look forward to that day and all of our sinfulness and mistakes only through the blood of Jesus? Help us, Father, to understand your patience is just opportunity for salvation of souls. Help us to be patient with folks. Bless us to have a great love for others and an anticipation of the day that comes. And Father, help us grow in grace. Help us grow in our intimate knowledge of you. Father, please, may we always give you the glory and honor. And may we have great and frequent thoughts of your greatness and few thoughts of ourself. It's in Jesus' name with the help of the Spirit that we pray today and the church said, Amen. Amen. If you have a need to respond, you may do so while we stand and while we sing.